Welcome to Human Nurture. I'm the host, Jason Brand, a practicing couples therapist. And this season is an exploration of how does a couples therapist learn to do that? While we explore and learn, it doesn't mean that this is a substitute for therapy or professional advice. It's intended for entertainment and education. So if you're struggling or want clinical help, please seek it out. We all know the couple cliches about how we end up marrying our parents or how our early childhoods lay out the behavior patterns for our functioning as adults. Well, the cliches are true. One way that we learn to help our couples is by understanding models of human development and early relationship patterns. The therapist who has a deep understanding of the science of this and utilizes it well to help couples, they can really heal old attachment wounds and move development forward. It's a powerful tool. So this episode answers the question, how does a couples therapist learn how to connect early attachment to the current day challenges that couples face? I'm very fortunate to have a rock solid consultant for this dive into attachment, my fellow PAC couples therapist, Melissa Ferrari. Melissa is based in Australia and her curiosity and enthusiasm for helping couples, I think you're gonna find it infectious because I certainly did. I wanna pull out a quote from Melissa that really stuck with me. She says, how does this couple lay together knowing that they both feel inadequate together and that that's okay? If you've been following along this far, you know that by this couple, she's referring to Bart and Susan, and that addressing feelings of inadequacy has been one of the big themes and major struggles during the interviews. Melissa asks us to imagine how couples therapy could build a safe enough container for Bart and Susan to share their feelings of inadequacy about being deeply dependent upon each other as a way to move the relationship forward. It's a really beautiful way to frame things, and it all rests on a solid foundation of helping heal old attachment wounds through building safety and security in Bart and Susan's current relationship. To me, it was very moving, exciting, and poetic. I hope you feel the same as you listen, so check it out. So I'm very excited to introduce my colleague and fellow PAC therapist, Melissa Ferrari, to the show today. Welcome, Melissa. Hi, I'm really, really pleased to be here. And what's cool is that you're coming to us all the way from Australia. Where where in Australia are you from? I'm in Sydney. I'm in Sydney, in the western suburbs of Sydney. So probably about an hour's drive from the city of Sydney. Excellent. Okay. So um, if you've been following along this far in the podcast, you'll know that this season we're asking the question, how does a couples therapist learn to do that? And today that is how does a couple's therapist learn to engage a couple about the impact of their attachment history on their current relationships? And it's often the case that in order, as you know, Melissa, that in order to move a couple forward, we need to go into the past. And this really is one of the key ways that we understand our work and the couple clinical interview with Bart and Susan provides us with lots of good opportunities to see how our past history shapes our current relationships. So before I get too far ahead of things, I want to explore with you, Melissa, and define a little bit about what we're talking about when we talk about attachment history. So when when talking about family of origin material or attachment history, what we mean is what a child experienced in their family by their caregivers, by whoever was there to take care of them. It might not have been mum and dad. It may have been somebody else. And so the experience of relationship, how do I experience relationship with a significant other? And a lot of that is from the information that's taken in, somatic feelings of those experiences that that Um, a child embodies it becomes part of who they are and when we go into relationship these things show up both positively and negatively Mm -hmm. and in couple therapy this is what we examine closely 
to understand what happened that you two find yourself in this place. What are we going to do with it? Hmm, that's great. And, and I like that you played up the positive too, that this is not just, we're not just looking for the sort of where the pathology here is in terms of the, the relationship. It's also, you know, that for all attachment history, there's positive and there's challenges that come up. And so I think that's an important part of for us to hold on to today. And I think that, you know, there's a, there's a testament to that around people who have experienced significant trauma and the strengths that they have and what they can do with their life is just amazing you know, like the, the wounded healer. And so I think that the positive from what comes in that experience is important as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and as couples therapists, I mean, so we, we train ourselves in sort of understanding attachment patterns, right? And, and what we begin to see is sort of familiar patterns that people play out within their relationships. I think that that's one thing as we try to figure out, like, so how does a couples therapist think and how do they know what to look for? And so let's talk a little bit about what patterns you might see and what sort of, you know, oh, that, that kind of tipped me off that this person might have experienced this in their attachment history. How, how do we look for that? And what are we listening for? Okay. So, so when, when you're sitting with a couple and you're watching right from the minute that they, you know, make the booking with you, when they come through the front door of your office, you're watching right from that minute that you, you open the door and you're watching for how they might sit down. We know with PACT, we have chairs, that rolling chairs and people will do all kinds of things. You know, that the, there might be one that wants to get closer and one that, one that kind of backs away. And so instantly, that is information that I'm watching as a therapist so that I, it helps me to navigate where I'm going to go. And so it could be suggested that when, when the couple, maybe even when they sit down, he or she might kick back, you know, just a little bit, just I'm going to back out of, out of this because um, I'm in the hot seat. Mm-hmm. This is this is hard, and instantly I wonder, you know, I wonder what this couple, this person experienced that when they've got to be in an environment like this, face to face, and the pressure is on, that their reaction is to back out. That's just one example of the wonderful experience we have of particularly the packed experience is to observe. We are not there to solve their problems and give them the therapy. It's about taking the information in a way and distilling what they need and observing that is what I'm doing from the very minute I meet them. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. And it really spells out how you're watching for all these cues that tell you about, okay, so, and maybe, and I wouldn't, don't imagine that you actually know like, oh, this person is, uh, and we can define some of these terms, wave or an island or mm-hmm. an anchor, but, but it's just, you're, you're just, you're wondering about these things and you're beginning to put together a picture in your mind of, okay, so that, that tell, that's, there's something there that we want to investigate, that we want to, that, we want the couple to get curious about investigating because does it tell us something about the predicament that brings them into therapy? Exactly. And I think that the confidence of being curious as a therapist is, and for the packed experience to kind of go, you know, curiosity is so key to this therapy. And 
you know, my, my mum told me I was curious from three and four, five years old, asking a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And so it fits beautifully with the modelling of curiosity. I think as a therapist, if you genuinely are, genuinely are curious, you're modelling something to the couple of the importance of that. Right, right. And curiously, what helps to really heal some most and I would say most of these attachment wounds is curiosity without as much overwhelm about what's happening inside of my partner, what's happening inside of myself, because oftentimes what we find in with attachment trauma is that there was a lack of curiosity at an early age about the child's experience. And I think, Jason, I sometimes wonder, is that what we're teaching? Is that is that it? Hmm. We're, we're teaching curiosity and is that the therapy and um, there's something about that that for me as a therapist is is soothing that we not here to perform miracles we're just here to be curious and just how healing that is for the couple particularly if you can model it so they learn it together Mm -hmm. great great and a disclaimer before I ask this question which is that this is not a diagnostic tool. You're not either a wave, an island, or an anchor based on the things that we're going to talk about here. That, that, And especially under times of distress, I think we all know this, that we have ways of getting overly anxious and moving forward too quickly um, might be one way that we react to anxiety or one of pulling into ourselves and pulling away. And these are just um, structures that we all have, and especially during times of distress. With that said, can we sort of put a little meat on the bones of what is a wave and what is an anchor and what is an island, just so that if we're going to reference those things, we, so we can have some terms to, to do that with? Well, waves is more, you know, an anxious attachment and usually have experienced a lot of inconsistencies in their family of origin. They may have had a parent that was alcoholic or, or a parent who was sometimes there depending on their, on their mood. Often the child hasn't felt supported. And so therefore what shows up often in the adult relationship is that there is an anger and there is a resentment often there around not having had needs met. And Mm -hmm. so when it shows up in a couple relationship, it can be something like you're not there for me, you're not present with me, I can't express to you how I'm feeling and I feel resentful about that and then if we go to the other side um and and i'm 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 simplifying here there's so many different features but it's what i look for and island is more what's all the fuss about you know Mm -hmm. why are we talking about this this doesn't feel important to me things like i'm I'm not going to share everything with you i have my secrets and that's okay Ireland usually of a child that was in in stroked for being independent. You know, mm-hmm. I can often hear parents describe a child as they were independent from a very young age. They enjoyed playing on their on their own. And quite often, what you see with someone who's more of an island is that their world is extremely, you know, internal. Like I'm, I manage me. And to imagine relying on another creates enormous anxiety, shame, maybe even anger, because mm-hmm. I've always managed myself. Anchor, which often sort of gets, you know, like, oh, we're, you know, we want anchor status, but let's, but let's dispel that. And if you can just say a little bit about what is an anchor. Yeah, well, well, anchor. 
workers generally, you know, they, they, they're good at collaborating. They understand the joy of being in relationship because they've experienced that as children. They've had parents where there has been that reciprocal collaborative experience of you matter and I, and I matter. There hasn't been focused on performance work, um, sport, how you looked, how intelligent you were. You were more accepted just for who, who you are. And generally, people that are anchors find relationship quite quite easy, but it doesn't mean they don't get into pockets where they struggle as well. Because right. I think part of being human is struggle. I think that's something that all of us need to understand, like life right. is a struggle. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh, you, you talk about this so eloquently and the, I, I just want to add one little piece, which is that, that within the anchor, there wasn't a reliance too much of caretaking the caretaker. Exactly. So there wasn't, so that, you know, you weren't asked like, you know, oh, mom's sad. So I'm not going to go out to, to, with my friends right now that, that mom was able Beautiful. to kind of work dad or yeah. caretaker was able to kind of say, okay, you know, I, um, uh, I, I might be sad right now, but you go out and play and, and I'll yeah. be fine. I, I, I trust that. I trust that mom and dad or my, or my caregiver that, that they'll be okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I can be me and go into the world and do, do what kids do. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, great. And we can say that in adult relationships that it's way more likely that we're going to come up against our attachment structures or attachment patterns from our early lives during times of great stress, whether it be a coronavirus that sweeps the, you know, our world, or whether it be, you know, we got a, a kid leaving for college, or whether it's, you know, I'm getting married, that these are the times, these are the milestones where our old attachment patterns, undoubtedly, I would say, I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody reaches this sort of, you know, I've, I'm done with my attachment patterns. I think that throughout life, we go, we just, we will, we will experience what we knew from our early experience. Absolutely. And and I often think in terms of resources, you know, when we're under, under resource, because there's too much stress, or there's too much going on. I think that that's when couples really, really do suffer, because how do I be here for me and and for you at the same time? Right, right. I I think that's a really good word is is resourced is that, Mm. of course, when we're, you know, you can think about it as, as, you know, well fed, or, you know, that, uh, you know, when you were a kid going back to your parent, parents, lap and being taken care of and then being set out into the world again, that sort of, oh, I'm all fueled up here. And when I'm all fueled up, I can go out and I can really experience the world in a full way. Exactly. But if you're not, if you have trouble refueling or if there's, there wasn't enough of a person there to fuel with, then those are times where that's where the struggles of not being resourced enough come up. Exactly. And I think in couple therapy, what we're, what we're wanting couples to experience is, is getting resources from the relationship, you know, having stress reduced within the relationship and that we don't have to spend all our energy fixing things here because we're all good. We're, we're okay. And I mean, of course, there's, that's idealistic and I'm not wanting to create a fantasy around that, but that's the thinking that I go, go in with when I'm working with couples. That's great. And that's what's mm. so exciting for me about Pack therapy is that there, there's this hopeful message, which is no matter where you come from, no matter what your attachment history was within this relationship that you got with your primary person who you came into therapy, who came into couples therapy with, that you can do this. You can yep. do all of this. Yep. 
Yep. And and what's great about PACT is our confidence in that, that Mm -hmm. with all the mess, with with everything that feels so dysregulating, that you guys can survive this and you can be okay. And we count Mm -hmm. on the the bond. And I think that's what couples find refreshing. We don't don't always just go into, well, should you guys be together or not? Because we're counting on the bond. And I, I always have great faith in that. Great. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so let's let's listen to a little bit of Bart and Susan talking about their attachment history, how, how this plays out in their current relationship. And then the the other the other thing that it brings up for me is just that there were glaring, awful things happening in my family when I was growing up, and everybody acted like everything was fine and nobody, it, it couldn't ever be talked about. And I was the canary in the mine shaft. I was the, the one who, I never had validation around the things that were obvious problems. And, and we all just had to like dance around them. But I wasn't the canary. I was more like, you know, the person that tried to keep the calm and just stay, stay the course. Bart has lots of boxes. I have none. Mm -hmm. We have this sort of like saying that Mm -hmm. he's got all these containers in there and you know, the worst, you know, the world could be falling apart and he can fall asleep at night. And, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, and I am the opposite. The dynamic that plays out where I'm like the critical parent and you feel all of the awful ways you would feel with your spouse being the critical parent. One thing that I really appreciate about this in terms of listening for attachment is that you can hear just Susan's explanation of her attachment history is so much more verbose, a mm. lot more words than Bart. And, yes, we're, go- and- we're, yeah, we're going on the idea here that perhaps, you know, and again, that Susan is wavish. We're not mm. diagnosing her as a wave. We're saying Susan is wavish and Bart is islandish. And yes. um, and I think that you can hear that in the in the in the in the use of the language, the way that they describe themselves. Did you notice that? Absolutely, and you can hear it in her voice as well. You know that when she's describing that, and the visual that she creates as as well around being, you know, the the canary. It's it's you can hear it in her voice. The the anxiety and the and the and the, and the distress and and how difficult that was for her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there something, do you think, about a wavish person where the language is going to be more sort of florid and there's going to be more of a, of a rich description of things? Would that, do you think that that would be something we'd look for? Absolutely. Waves, waves love to use words. Waves, mm-hmm. waves will, will use a lot of words sometimes to keep, to say, the, to say the same thing. And so, which can sometimes get them in trouble. So I think that you can't, you can really hear that when she's talking that, you know, it was difficult for me. I don't know how to contain this. You can almost hear the pleading. I need help with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and, and let's connect that. So I, I really like that. I actually feel moved by that. What, what is it about the, the wavish presentation? Where is the cry for help? What just, I mean, we don't obviously know an exact point for Susan, but where, where, what is the wavish cry for help? What are they asking for help on? Well, their experience has often been that no one was there to help them, particularly when they were dis- distressed, particularly when there was pain. There wasn't that experience and that reciprocal regulation mm-hmm. in a consistent way. It was sometimes there. 
but mm. it wasn't something they could rely on. Mm. That that someone will be there to help me in my distress, because mm. you know we remember that romantic relationships and that child parent dyad, the same kind of things that didn't happen as a child are going to show up in the couple relationship, and you can you can hear that distress now, right? All, the, all those feelings of will you be there for me, right? And the crying out is, wait a minute, I called out last time and you came and that mm. felt great. We were, we were together and, and, mm. we, and we had this nice moment together. Then you mm. left and then I cried out again, but you never showed up. Yeah. That's that yeah. inconsistency. And, and unfortunately, the wave will think, so what did I do? What did yes. I do to cause you to be inconsistent and not be there for me this time? Because a child can't think particularly a very very young child oh gee mum or dad or my caregivers is having a bad day it internalizes and it becomes a, a state of being mm-hmm. you know and it's often there in the body as well right and then bard is much more clipped here we could say mm-hmm. and there's much more of a sense that his experience is just contained in that short description. Like, okay, this is the way I understand it. This is what it is. And uh, you can kind of leave me alone now with it. You know, it's sort of the, if we're going for the, if we're looking at this from the island perspective. Yeah, that's right. Because this is what he learned to do generally. I mean, I, I, I don't know all of the history, mm-hmm. but I can think about or be curious to how, how was it for him by what I'm seeing right now or what I'm hearing right now and how his partner, you know, that, that Susan's describing him as having these boxes and, you know, mm. not to open the boxes because we don't know what we're going to find then we're not going to know what to do with it. And that creates more anxiety for, for her. Mm-hmm. And so that real island experience, and this is why an island can sometimes look more organised or present, you know, more intact, let's say, mm-hmm. because, because they, they've learnt to not open the boxes. Uh-huh. They've learnt to just focus inward and sort it out themselves. Yeah, and I, I, and I, and I know what you mean in terms of because... And because the the wave sort of cries out, hey, you know, help me and let me tell you about the ways that that I I feel that you haven't been helpful to me or that this help has been inconsistent to me. Yeah, that can be, you know, I think as as you sit in the therapist chair, you go, oh, wow, this person is really, you know, putting all of their all the dirty laundry out into the open and they can look they can look worse because they do that. But because they're working so hard at it. They believe they're doing all the work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they can come into the relation like the relationship, like I'm working so hard here and you're not. And, and they really, 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 that is their experience. Yeah. And then that plays out in the relationship as well. And I, I get stuck around this and I, I could use your help in thinking about it. What, this is that, that question, what do you do about that? I mean, what do you do? How do you help the wave to, to you know, recognize that that hard work is, is kind of digging in the wrong area? Does that make sense, that analogy? Well, I, I do, I do. And, and, and I think that, that where the experience with PACT, that there is the other Mm, you mm -hmm. have your partner here 
that while they're not regulating you in a way that feel always feels um, okay or enough, but they are present to your experience. Mm. They can't fix it. They, they aren't here to solve your problems, but their investment is that they're present to experience it. And mm. what we set up is let's see that. Mm-hmm. Let's see how that plays out. And let me as the therapist help correct you along the way with mm-hmm. empathy and curiosity on how you two are going to do this differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we can't do it until it showed up, until yeah. we've created an environment to see it. And in the second interview with Bart and Susan, Bart is, is really trying. You really get a sense of him trying to show up. And there's real moments of them saying, uh, of this working. I mean, I was, I was really impressed by, by what they have accomplished in this time where Bart has really clarified some areas where he, where he needs to come forward more. And Susan has really worked hard to begin to listen with and become more aware, as she says, of the ways that Bart is trying to reach out to her and trying to build trust with her. Absolutely. And so what does that do in turn? He gets to experience a different kind of confidence Mm -hmm. rather than the inadequacy because too much focus on that for him creates such enormous shame that he, 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 backs, he backs away and then she feels abandoned and, and the process of her feeling more distressed happens. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think his ability, he didn't take his eyes off her, you know, his ability to be there for her is a new experience for her mm-hmm. that she's not expecting. She's not expecting. She's not had somebody do this. Yeah, yeah. Consistently. And uh-huh. that the packed experience, I think, uh-huh. that you show it up and then the two of them notice in the here and now, we're not going to talk about what happened in mm-hmm. the here and now. I feel soothed by, by him being here for me. And that's going to end up feel, feeling good for him. Yeah. And yeah. he didn't have to do much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the tension... The tension that I really felt and why I chose this to really focus on attachment is because there's the current day, their current day world that's unfolding. And you get a sense of very high stakes throughout both mm-hmm. of the interviews of, you know, that, 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 that this could, this could not work out. I mean, and I think that they say that pretty explicitly. And if they don't show up for each other in these particular ways, that the stakes are very high. And so there's this like current day history that's unfolding on the top. And then there's the attachment history that's also happening simultaneously underneath. Absolutely. And the question of how you sync these things, how you bring, how you bring them together in a way that the couple feels like they are understanding it and sharing in it. And also that it's having an impact on the current day functioning. That is the challenge as the... Absolutely. Absolutely. It is, it is the biggest challenge because, you know, we want to try, we don't want to do a, create an either, either, or, or we're just working on this or we're just working on that because then it's like, well, how do you bring that? How do you bring that, that together? And I think that's mm-hmm. where PACT does it so beautifully, where 
It's what's happening in the here and now. And that's why I think the cross-questioning and cross-commenting and asking, you know, when you look in her eyes, what do you see? Uh-huh. Yeah. And whatever he says, he might say, you know, uh, pain or or actually she's 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 doing okay. She's she's quite happy today. Mm-hmm. And and so if he says that, okay, so what's happening in this moment mm-hmm. that could be creating that? And that's where bringing it to those moment to moment experiences of this is what happens for her or this is what happens for him mm-hmm. when we slow things down mm-hmm. and and the experience of the other person being present to that is the therapy mm. Mm, i love that and that we don't have to get bombarded by that and work on every single issue because that will be a lifetime if mm-hmm. we if we were the kind of therapist that was more like well today we're going to talk about this and today we're going to talk about the kids and today we're going to talk about this and the work and the money that you that you lost and you know Mm-hmm. I think that that just then becomes people feeling like, you know, we will be here for an eternity. And as pack therapists, that that's that's not where we're heading. Teaching them self management, but in a way that they've never experienced before, mm-hmm. and not how they imagined it would even look. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. And um, I, I want to give you a moment here. Is there anything that you saw or that you wanted to kind of highlight from the from the listening that you did? Yeah, I, I think I think that there is the way to level level the playing field mm-hmm. for these two where they can both see their their part or help them to see their part, because often in a couple, one feels like I see everything and you don't, you know, mm-hmm. and then that kind of stays in that way would be Jason <coughs> I'm gonna cough <coughs> cut this out <clears throat> yeah we sure certainly will let me have a drink I've got my coffee here mm. in my very big mug <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was just the camera that made it look that way <laughs> I like coffee um is that I think what's central to this couple is that it is shared inadequacy. Mm. They both feel inadequate. Mm -hmm. And when that's touched, it provokes shame. So as a couple therapist, I think that somehow getting creative on how to introduce that idea Mm-hmm. Now, I will say, sometimes I will just say it as I just said it. Mm-hmm. I'll mm-hmm. just say it and and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Say it and sit back and see what happens. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And there's that shared, we have a common problem. And it's not just you or me. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm wondering, Jason, if you wonder how I came to that. I certainly am. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think I think for her, her inadequacies shows up how she can't self-regulate, mm-hmm. and that provokes the shame. 
that that she needs him you know the same old thing for the for the wave you know i need you to help regulate me but but i feel i feel shame about that right yeah. and so for her that's where the inadequacy show, shows up because you know she she wants to be good at this she wants to be better at better at this but she knows that she needs help with her regulation i think for for a wave that can create you know shame which i know sounds islandy which she also is a little bit a little mm-hmm. bit island but that was my obser- observation is how does this couple lie in each other's arms mm. knowing we both feel inadequate together and that's okay mhm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if that, okay, so first interview, um, there was there was Susan being in the parent and Bart being in the child. Mm-hmm. And then they, and sort of the way that Susan, when she would become the parent, it would, she would feel bad because nobody likes to be, you know, the parent to their mm-hmm. spouse or their partner. Mm-hmm. And then Bart would become the child, which is obviously, you know, he's a grown up, so he that's going to mm. feel bad. Does that fit the shame into there? The inadequacy. I think it does. I think mm-hmm. I think it does. And and but there was one thing that Bart did that I really liked. I think he told her at one stage, by memory, um, that he wasn't experiencing her as a critical parent. Mm-hmm. There was in the second interview. Yeah. 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 And 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 so there's something there to show Susan. Mm-hmm. He's actually, he's, he's doing, he's okay. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. doing okay. You know, you may feel that way, but, uh-huh. but, but he's not experiencing it that way. And so the, the shame in that moment is with, is with her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause she doesn't want to be that person. I don't want to be the cr- critical parent. Are you so, following me, Jason? I think, I think so. I, I, I'm just, I'm putting this together in my mind. And what would be, why would it be hard to lie together in the inadequacy? You know, we both feel inadequate. What would be a challenge about doing that together? It would provoke the, the shame, but I think as a couple to experience that shame together and that we can survive this, we will be okay. Mm-hmm. We don't have to think about ending or breaking up or that we're incompatible or go and find someone else. Pause. There's no guarantee it's not going to show up next time in the next relationship. And we're here working on this together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I can hear Susan in my mind right now um, saying that, well, you know, if we just lie together in the feeling of inadequacy, then nothing's going to get done here. You know, no. I mean, <laughs> I mean, so if I'm not, if I'm not sort of, leading, leading in this and guiding, we don't, nobody's going to do the work. We're just going to be lying here and there's just going to be a a void between us as they talk about in the, in the second interview. Okay. Okay. So, so maybe lie together and look in each other's eyes Mm -hmm. and then see what happens. Maybe you could even orchestrate that in, in the room. Mm-hmm. And as they're lying together and they're looking in each other's eyes, as a therapist, ask Susan, what are you experiencing? And I would be pretty sure she's not going to say what you just said. Mm-hmm. Nothing's mm-hmm. getting done because 
in his eyes, he's present. Mm-hmm. And that settles her nervous system. And then that stuff isn't going to come up so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I don't want to leave Bart out here. I mean, I think that that for him to lie and look into Susan's eyes, it might bring up a feeling of, am I doing a good enough job? Or mm-hmm. maybe he might find himself drifting away. I mean, what, what do you think would happen? What, hap- what would happen to an I- more islandish person when they are called to be brought into the relationship in this way? Well, I think, first of all, I would drop that he's an island in that moment and okay. get, them, get them to play it out. Let's do okay. it. Uh-huh. Okay. So let's set, up, set it up in a way where we've got pillows and you're lying on a bed and, mm. and I'm going to be here if you let me in on that tender moment mm-hmm. and watch and help you, you work this out so that it does translate to something that's not going to feel like you're not doing the work because you're, you're going to do some work now. Mm-hmm. This is, this, is, this is not easy, this stuff, right? Uh-huh. And, and set that up. Get them in each other's eyes, lying down together, and ask them what's going on. Mm-hmm. So how does this feel, Bart? And he may say, I don't know if I'm doing it right. Mm-hmm. And then you could say, so, so as you look at Susan, what tells you you're not doing it right? How is she going? And so stay in that moment and Susan's probably going to say, we don't know. We're imagining here. Yeah. We're, we're playing this we've out. Go a, for it. God, we're playing it out. Mm-hmm. I quite like, I quite like this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Susan, what do you like about it? Mm-hmm. Tell him, what do you like about it? Mm-hmm. And she might say, well, he's, he's here for me. Mm-hmm. And when he's here for me, I don't go up into my own mind because remember, that's what eyes do. Mm-hmm. We're keep in real you time. Keeps uh-huh. you present. We're in real time. We it's it's switches off that part of the brain that goes back into you're never there for me, or I'm gonna come after you, or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, mm-hmm. whatever psychologically come after you, which which, you know, that's anger. And mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna I'm gonna chase you around the room until you get me. Mm-hmm. But but in that moment, for them to experience her being gotten mm-hmm. is going to help him feel a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, because mm-hmm. yeah. she's going to report that now. If she says I don't like uh-huh. this, uh-huh. we're going to ask her why. Okay, so so what is it about how he's looking at you? And she might say, he seems vacant. Mm-hmm. Seems like he's not here. Uh-huh. He's, not, he's not here. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I, I, I would ask her, so, so what are you feeling? What's happening? Where do you feel if it is a distress? And I'd ask her, are you feeling distressed? What, what is it you're feeling? Mm-hmm. And she'll say whatever that is. And I'll ask her, what's happening right now and then that will be the new place that I will go Hmm. to either uncover Mm -hmm. that she's like 
you know, she wants she wants his, his presence. She wants him to regulate. He she wants him to be there. And then when he is, Susan, what happens for you? Mm-hmm. Great. Is this can, making can sense? I, yeah. It is. Yep. I want to. We got time for one more scenario kind of thing. You, you sure, I've got that? plenty of time, Jason. Okay. I'm, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So they're laying there and he, well, let's, I mean, I just want to take a step back. So what gives you the permission to ask a couple to lay down in their, in a bed together? I mean, how do you, how, how do you do that? Like, where does that come from? How do you even think of that? I idea? asked them, I, I asked them, are you okay uh-huh. if we do something, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, definitely PG or G rated, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. and, and I tell them why I'm doing this. Let's mm-hmm. do this so that you two don't have to sit here and tell me what could happen or might happen or did happen. Um, and we talk about it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And let's really do the work. Yes. Together. And my job is to help you. Right. And when we're talking about attachment, when we're talking about attachment, we're talking about these little this little call and response that happens between people, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's the, it's the roll of the eyes or it's the, it's the deep, you know, it's this, it's the swelling of the, of the eyes when, when you say something that moves another person, I mean, it's, exactly. it's paying close attention. And so it makes sense. You would have people get in very close proximity. Mm. You'd have them in the, in a position of where they're laying down, which is that you're more vulnerable there. Your mm. heart rate goes down and you're really watching and you're really able to sort of listen in a quieter way to the patterns between the people. Mm. And I think for me, what gives permission is this is what they're here for. Now, of course, mm-hmm. I'm going to do that with enormous compassion and, and, empathy and understanding that this is going to provoke stuff. I let them know that mm-hmm. I know that. Okay. And that you guys aren't expected to do this perfectly. We are experimenting. And if you would be willing to do that with me, or I would tell them, you know, we need to do this uh-huh. so that we know what goes on because it can get exhausting for you two to sit here and talk about it. Remembering memory changes over time. And you're probably mm-hmm. not reporting things the way they really are. And I would say, I'm sorry, it's part of being human. And, mm-hmm. and we all believe we're right and that our experience is correct. And sometimes we're wrong, including me. Uh-huh. Whereas when I'm here with you and we're doing this in real time, we can all be clear on what's really happening. Lovely. I like that. I like that. And okay, so let me, let me, let's, so let's go back to this inadequacy and the attachment. I'm going to give you another scenario. They're lying there and you get them settled, I'd assume, because you kind of, in order to pay attention to these things, you have to kind of create enough of an environment and atmosphere where they're settled to be able to notice these things. Yep. And you say to Bart, hey, Bart, how does, how does Susan look to you right now? And mm-hmm. Bart says, she, she looks like she's um, here and present and that she's appreciating this. And you say, Bart, um, you know, uh, you know, check it out with her. Am I right? Check yes. her. Yep. yep. Check her. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That's and you, great. And you keep checking. Okay. And then, um, and then I'm just sort of following the pattern of, of what I've noticed with them in the interviews. And then Susan would say, that's right. You're here right now, Bart. Um, and I'm really appreciating that, but I'm also thinking about, or I'm worried about when you're not going to be here, or I don't know if I can trust that you're going to be here in, you know, this is, this is great right now. And this is, we're seeing some progress in this particular area. And this is, you know, but I don't know if I can really trust it. 
and I'm getting tired of asking. Hmm. Now, Bart, now somehow we cross it back to Bart. Bart would say, Bart would begin to explain, you know, well, hmm. I'm here I'm, and I'm really trying and here are all the hmm. things that I'm doing. I, hmm. You know, I'm, 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 I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing that. And at a certain point, as Bart was beginning to explain, you'd get the flavor, the feeling between the two of them. Uh-oh, we're kind of back in this territory, right? Where Susan is sort of expecting, you know, hmm. are you going to show up for me? And hmm. probably for her, the, you know, like, like you really beautifully described, the inadequate feeling and starts to begin in her of like, I hmm. need you. And I don't know how to get, I don't know how to hold you. I don't know if I've, you know, if I, if I'm doing the right things to, to kind of be in this relationship with somebody who's consistent with me. And then in Bart, the inadequacy starts up of like, you know, well, I got to prove myself. Mm, um, mm. You know, I'm not good enough. Mm. And, um, and he starts explaining. And then, you know, as he starts explaining, you know, inevitably from the couples therapist chair, we go, uh, we're sort of getting into troubled waters here because the more he explains, the more anxious she's going to get. And the more he's going to start telling, well, remember that. And then when he says, remember that she's going to remember something else that happened that triggered something else. And absolutely. uh Oh, you know, so, so, so let's go back here to how do we, what's our role? What's our job? How do we know how to do that in that moment? Okay. For me, if I saw that I get excited and I would approach it fearlessly. Okay. I would approach it fearlessly. I would ask Susan. So Susan, let's just stay with this moment. Okay. And what's it like for you to have him here fully present Mm -hmm. and with you and you feeling quite calm from what you've described? Something else has just happened now because you're worried about later. I get that. Uh-huh. But what happens right now when you experience him in your eyes doing somewhat what we called quiet love, he's here mm-hmm. with you, mm-hmm. what happens for you? And she will say, well, this, I start to worry about what's going to happen mm-hmm. later. And so I would stay with that. Sometimes when the wave gets what they want, they then don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And so that's with her. And that insecurity or inadequate feeling of like, when I get it, and this is the attachment history also, where when I get it, I don't know if it's going to stick around. How would you know what to do with it if it didn't stick around, right? At at, at an early age. Yeah. And so therefore, therefore I'm going to behave, you know, like I don't need it, or I'm going to be angry at you for not getting it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. to actually be here with it, I don't know that. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I think about later. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So Susan and I fully trust after watching her in these interviews that she would be able to say, this actually feels good and I want to be here now. And and you're right. You know, I mean, like both of them are really able to kind of, to kind of take a, take a perspective, an outer perspective. And yeah. And if, and if that. you're a good therapist, you continue checking on that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, you okay. keep asking, does this feel good for you? And when it's no, it's no. Okay, mm-hmm. so 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 let's just stay with that. What just happened? Mm-hmm. What happened to make it not feel good? And you know, she'll they might say, I saw her the other person's nostrils flare a little bit, and who knows why? Mm-hmm. Right, that has triggered something else. Uh huh. We, we 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 stay with that, and so we stay with what's happening yeah 
to okay, highlight. Yeah, sure. Let me get on this. So, so, so we get Susan settled and she says, no, this is actually feeling pretty good. Bart says, ding, you know, like, okay, I'm doing something good. So now I'm mm. going to really try to be a good boy and keep doing this. Okay. Mm. And then, and you get that sense as the couples therapist of like, uh oh, the, this is getting a little bit, his doing good is getting a little bit stale here because he's stuck on the, which we can expect from the island, is that the performance of it begins to take precedent over the actual mm. lived experience because mm. that was their experience. So, so we got, so we got Bart performing good. We want to draw some attention to that. We want to draw, we okay. want to kind of help the couple drop into this. So, so what you're saying there, Jason, just to clarify, is that as a therapist, you're watching and that's what you're observing in Bart. He's starting to look like he's performing or has he reported that? Well, let's, let's say that you get an inkling in your you get mind an inkling. that you yeah. got an inkling and then you check it out and you go, you know, um, Hey, Susan, did you notice something shift in, did something shift in Bart when you said, you know, yeah, this is really working for me now. Okay. And, and she might say, yeah, he, you know, all of a sudden that the, the warmth in his eyes faded a little bit. Okay. So, so I might say, say to her, you know him well, and mm -hmm you know this part of him and she would say, yeah, yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. And ask her, how does it feel? And she says, well, I feel like he went, he's gone now. Mm -hmm. And I may ask her, how do you help him with that? What can mm -hmm. you do right now that will bring him back? Because you described that you like it. See what she does. Yeah. And that's cool. And I think that's another thing that we will often do is help the other person to know how to help their partner. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Why do we do that? Mm -hmm. And this is where we cover why be together. Why are you two in a relationship? What do you want from it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is to have that one person that knows how to do this. Mm -hmm. It's gold. Totally. Totally gold. It's gold. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And let's, let's zoom out a little bit here. Why not just choose somebody who, why not, why wouldn't an island just choose an island? And why wouldn't a wave just choose a wave? Like, why, you know, why didn't Bart choose somebody just like him? And why didn't Susan choose somebody just like her? Like, why would these different attachment styles choose each other? Well, I think for an island, um, you know, wave, waves can be colorful and exciting. And, mm -hmm. You know, they, they bring color to an island's life. And for a wave with an island, a wave likes the island's controlled, composed, they look so good. Mm -hmm. And so that's the initial attraction. Yeah. And with, you know, propped up on all those wonderful hormones, it's all great in the beginning mm -hmm. until the attachment structure starts to show up that's right. where the troubled waters come and some people will choose many things they'll stay together and maybe become both depressed they'll divorce or they decide to work on it yeah it's funny with my individual clients i will see 
with couples, you see it less because they usually come in once the stuff has hit the fan. Is yep. generally that's generally when you see people. But with the individual people, they'll meet somebody and the courtship will begin, and it's all the like you said, the wonderful. Yep. And then all of a sudden, something will happen. Somebody will get hurt, or they they have to go visit their other person's parents or something like that. And then it becomes real at a certain point yeah. with the couple. And as, and, and as a therapist, we can forecast that that's probably going to happen. It's, and it's <laughs> always going to happen. Yeah. That's right. Uh, anything else you got for me? Anything you want to let me know or things that we should cover? Okay. So she talked about her panic. There's something about her panicking. And then he ends up, I think his last thing is he, get, he gets angry. You mm-hmm. know, he has mm-hmm. a whole series of things that happen. His final defense. Uh, yeah. His final defense is to get angry. And what I would probably do is explore that a little bit more if he could talk about. So what happens before that? So as a therapist, you're helping him think about what happens and that's the final thing. What happened all the way before that? And for you as the therapist, to gather that that information but again you're just using curiosity so so i'm just wondering but what happens before that's the end what has happened before that i would suspect that somewhere the shame has been touched mm-hmm. in him mm-hmm. because she's panicking you know, mm. I don't know what to do with that and if somewhere i get a feeling or i hear him say that shame or inadequacy or I don't know what to do and then I get angry I would Mm -hmm. stay just before the anger and yeah I like that hear more about that so that she just doesn't see anger Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's to see what really happens for him when she panics and that's that jewel how does she self-regulate and they co-regulate mm-hmm Mm-hmm. At the same time, because that's the dilemma. When we're both under stress, we can't do it at the same time. And that's what mm-hmm. people will tell will tell you. That's the problem. That's why we're here. We can't do it at the same time. Right. But when we do setups and experiments, mm-hmm. we highlight how they they can do it. Come yeah. be with me or sit with me. Or, uh-huh. Yeah. I want to link some of this up. So for the island, having things, being able to be outside of boxes comfortably to show a, a kind of flexibility with that would be very appealing mm. for the, for the wave to be able to put things in a box and to be able to put them away would mm. be very appealing. When Susan has this, this sort of panicky feelings is something that cannot be really put into a box. I mean, then Bart sees, uh uh-oh, I can't help her put this back into a box. I I don't know how to perform well with this, with with this kind of panic. And she says, it happens to me late at night when I'm by myself. And then Bart will hear about it the next morning. So that would really increase the the sense of him going, "Uh uh-oh, I didn't manage things well enough in our lives. And so now I've got this thing that, that is sort of corroding this box. And, and that corrosion, I think, I often think of shame as a kind of corrosive kind of, it leaks out and burns kind of uh, boundaries when mm. people try to put them. And I think that- Oh, what a that, great way to put it. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that mm. kind of, that it corrodes Bart's boxes. And then all of a sudden, you know, if you take away somebody's boxes, who's really, that's really the way that they organize their lives mm. and the explosion, that all makes a lot of, a lot of sense to me. I, I wanted to just tie in, Bart begins to 
take more responsibility for his anger. He, he, he has this, he has a diagnosis of ADHD, which, which um, seems to really help him. You know, it's sort of, it's a good way for him to kind of have a mm. narrative around what happens to him. Yep. And you can hear Often that the case. he's, he's done a good, he's done a good, you know, he's done work on yep. sort of putting these things into narratives that help him out. I wonder if you have any insight into the void that then gets created though, because Susan says, so I'm, you're trying and that helps mm. me feel a little better, but I'm also trying not overdue for you. And as I'm doing that, then we are kind of laying to go back here. We're laying together side by side, but there's kind of nothing between us now. Mm. So I would, would ask them what does happen when you do this? We're doing this now. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. You could ask, but you've heard what Susan has said about your presence and being here in her eyes mm-hmm. and that it somewhat helps her. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm wondering, but, and I'd really be checking, you know, do you experience this right now as something new? Something new? New. Yeah, uh-huh. something new, uh-huh. right? And he'll he might say, "Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right." And so I wonder, but I don't want to take them out of it. So mm-hmm. and say, okay, when you're at home, what are you going to do, right? Because mm-hmm. there's something about that that won't be helpful. So I'm wondering, but how does that feel to you? Because what's so lovely about you is how much you want to get this right. Mm -hmm. Do you feel you're getting it right, right now? Uh, uh Uh-huh. Right? So you, you... You take that, you you kind of retrofit it. I like it. Yeah. So you kind of retrofit the right thing to work mm. in behalf of the couple at that very moment. Yes, yes. And time. he's ah. experiencing it. So uh-huh. the rather than, okay, what are you going to do when you go home? Uh-huh. Because he's had the experience, there's a new template. Uh-huh, yeah. So it's like, oh, look, I might grab her and say, hey, let's sit down. And and just do this. Mm-hmm. That's the hope, anyway. Yes, yes, that's and, great. And I think I would keep repeating that, you know, rinse and repeat that kind of experience each session. You know, I possibly if 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 it's not landing, and I would just stay with the difficulty of it, and and why he might say I can do this here and I can't do it at home, and mm-hmm. so it's like. Okay, so let's set it up like you at home. Maybe let's take the last argument. Let's play that out. And we'd do that. One, one thing I just, um, I noticed that I want to get in here is that it's so interesting watching their languaging. Bart has the experience often of discovering things as he's saying them, you know, I mean, and so I think that that's something about, again, if we're thinking about boxes here and like, mm. oh, that's not something that has been in a box before. I didn't, I didn't know that was there. And mm. he sort of discovers language as he goes along. It's beautiful. Um, and beautiful. Susan, Susan, I think you get a feeling. Um, I had to cut out a lot of the pauses um, in the actual, when, you know, in the published interviews, but you get a sense that a lot of this has been that, that it's, it's stuff that she's thought about, that she's really mm. worked on internally over time. It's often beautiful language. It's one thing to be alone when you're alone, and it's another thing to be alone when you're with somebody else. Like, I mean, that's mm. such a beautiful phrase. Oh, and, 
and clearly not something that that you know something that she that she found and she held on to or that she came mm. up with and she held on to but there's yep. a there's a real sense again of their attachment styles within that of mm. you know I'm Susan like I'm really working this inside myself and really trying to figure this out because yep. because that's the way problems get solved and Bart like you know I kind of go along in in real time and I kind of go where I'm where where I'm needed and I show up the best way that I can in that moment and you can also feel how they really need each other here they, they need, yeah I, I like to think that they'll make it. Yes, I'm. I'm really, um, and I, especially based on on how much work they did between the two, yeah, the two um, sessions. The yeah. do you have a wish, message, thought for Bart and Susan before we wrap up here? The idea of quiet love, which I think is which suits them in terms of their arousal as well. You know, I think I think that they could sink into being that couple and that that would be beneficial around the rewards of feeling really settled because when we think about how we settle the baby or a baby Mm -hmm. with our eyes with our presence with I am here for you through my eyes I accept you Mm -hmm. the more and more that that can be set up for them and work with it Mm -hmm. And there's something about that. While it takes resources, it still is doing it together. Yeah, wonderful. Oh, well, this has been. I mean, Melissa, you, you, uh, I threw a lot of stuff at you, and you, you just, you have a way of just staying on your feet and keep moving and making it <laughs> sound really good, and you're really um, graceful in doing it. So I so appreciate oh, your time thank today. You. So oh really? It. Oh thank you. I was, <laughs> I was I was a little nervous, Josie. But, oh, um, you, you did great. And, this is fun. And but I remember thinking that your manner and who you are is going to help me today around my confidence of being with a colleague, and that's why when you asked me, I grabbed it. Oh, thank you. Thank so you. So I thank you. I thank you. All right. Well, we will we will call this the end. It's lovely to see you, Melissa. Um, and um, I'll see you. I look forward to it. See you then. Thanks, Jason. Excellent. So that is the consultation session all the way from Australia. Thank you so much to my friend and colleague, Melissa. And she followed up with me and asked me to share this final thought with Bart and Susan that I'll share with you. She wrote, I would also like you to give Bart and Susan a message that I think that their bravery to do this podcast speaks to their willingness to make this work, and that I think they are both so lovely, and thank you. Warm regards, Melissa. Wonderful. Thanks again to Melissa, and thanks to Bart and Susan, my producer, Carolyn Sharp, and to all of you for listening. Join me next time when I look at arousal regulation, developmental neuroscience, with my colleague, Debbie Campbell, who will be joining me from Texas. Looking forward to seeing you then. <music>